Hey, Pastor Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nations Church, and I believe today God has given me a word that is going to speak to your life. Listen, we need strength and we need comfort, and today we're going to find it in the Word of God. Hang on, and I'll see you at the end of this message for prayer. Receive the Word. In times like these, I'm thankful we serve a God like we serve. How many know He'll never let us down? Now, that doesn't mean He'll always do what we want, but how many know what He does is perfect? I said, how many believe what God does is perfect? And even if he does it a way different than the way I thought he should do it, at the end, I've made up my mind, I'm going to give him praise because I believe all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord, those who are the called according to his purpose. Good things are in store for his people. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to finish this little series that we have done over the last three weeks called Finding What You Already Have. How many know that sometimes we think we're in need of something, but God wants us to come into a revelation of what we already have? And there are needs that come up in our life, but I'm going to tell you right now, when those needs come, we ought to be able to have confidence that we have everything we need already within us to get the thing that God is trying to do in our life. And you're not a pauper, you're a child of the living God. You have an inheritance. We talked about that last week, the week before. We talked about the hope of his calling. Today we're going to finish this and we're going to go to the 19th verse of the first chapter of Ephesians. And I'm going to preach on uncommon power. Everyone say uncommon power. Tell them, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, there's, there's uncommon power in God. And tell them that uncommon power in God is also in you. It's at work in us. How many can say praise the Lord for that this morning? Amen. I want us to look at this verse together and we're going to jump right in it. Paul said, I want you to know. He said, I pray that you know. I told you last week, the week before, the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And look at verse 19. And I want you to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age, but in the one also to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all. Boy, I hope you understand what he's saying right here. Today we want to talk about uncommon power, and I want to tell you it is at work in our lives, and I believe the power of God is going to bring some people in victory, bring some people into freedom, bring some people into healing, and bring some lost people who feel dead on the inside into a place of new life in Christ. If you agree with me, say amen. Jesus, we thank you for your word. 
And today I pray the power of the Holy Spirit be upon us as we preach it in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Power is an important thing. With legislative power, politicians and those in government create laws and govern our society. With nuclear power, we can power our homes and our businesses, and if not harnessed and used in negative ways, nuclear power can even bring destruction and devastation to the world. Power is a significant thing. Electric power is important. I don't know what it is about the place where we recently moved, but in the first two months, we lost power six times. The devil is a liar. And uh, when you have five kids, well, we have five now, had four then, and you have, you know, a decently high-maintenance wife. <laughs> power is an important thing. <laughs> power is important. In fact, when Texas in February had three back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back winter storms, it decimated the power grid. Four million people were without power for over three days. Over 700 people died. People lost water because they lost power. And the fear of losing water caused them to, because they had no heat to keep the pipes warm, everyone was running a drip. And when the whole state was running a drip, they ran out of water in some places because power is important. In fact, I was reading that story about power and the, the citizens of Texas, and they were up in arms when they found out that Texas was not part of the federal power grid and that they couldn't borrow power from the federal power grid, and people were just going crazy. They wanted their power back, and they demanded as citizens that we get power restored to our house. And I just want to tell the citizens of the kingdom, there'll never be a power outage in the kingdom of God. You won't wake up one morning and the fire of God not be burning. You won't wake up one morning and the river of God not be flowing. You, you and I are attached and a part of a, attached to and a part of a kingdom that, that has as its source of life at the very core of its existence this thing we call the power of God. And the power of God is inexhaustible. It never runs out. You will not use it up. It doesn't get tired. It doesn't have, you know, uh, seasons of ebb and flow. At no, when you talk about the power of God, it is the power of God that sustains the very universe you and I are living in today. I believe the most dangerous thing we can do is come into an understanding of the power of God that is a reduction of the reality of what the power of God truly is. And I want to tell you, it is very easy for you and I to come into a diminished understanding of the power of God. And there are many reasons why. Let me just touch a couple of those. Number one, some people have a diminished understanding of the power of God because religion. 
I am thankful for the church. I'm thankful for teachers and preachers and pastors and apostles, evangelists and prophets and, 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 and uh, uh, the other one that I forgot. It's all in there. <laughs> apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I'm thankful for the working of the ministry, but you have to be careful what you feed yourself no matter who's given you the word because some people have not tasted the power of God in its fullness and they want to communicate to you and I a reduced, diminished version of God. A God that fits in our Sunday morning only expression of Christianity. A God that is predictable and manageable and a God that in many ways would fit upon the chimney mantle of our homes and that's not the kind of God Paul is talking about today. The power of God that Paul is talking about today is not, it's, it's not measurable. This is crazy as we're getting ready to understand from the text. This is an immeasurable power. The moment you think you have seen the depth of it, he does something else that's never been done before. The moment you think you've seen the edge of the demonstration of the power of God, he goes beyond that and does something that exceeds what we were thinking he could do. This is not some small miniature God. Jehovah is not an idol like the idols that man make today. Men make idols that have hands but cannot touch and Mouths but cannot speak and eyes but cannot see and men make idols with ears but cannot hear. But the God we serve has a hand that is not too short that it cannot save. His ear has not gotten so heavy that it cannot hear. When I think of the kind of God we serve, I think of the Old Testament story in the book of Samuel where the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant, which was the very housing of God in the Old Testament. You know, the Ark of the Covenant was a picture of the person of Christ. It was made out of shittim wood, over, overlaid with gold. And inside this box of wood that was covered in gold, you would find Aaron's rod that budded and a pot of manna and the in commandments it represented God and all that consisted of God and the Philistines came into the camp of Israel and because of the sin of Israel they took this ark and they took it back home to the Philistine capital and they put this ark of the covenant in the um, worship center of the Philistine God his name was Dagon the next morning they walked into the temple of Dagon and Dagon who was sitting up on a perch had fallen onto the floor and they said well that doesn't that doesn't look good let's pick him up and put him back where he belongs the next day they came in and the god of Dagon was laying on the floor broken into pieces and they couldn't pick him I got to reading that one day and I thought you know what there's never been a day in my life I've ever walked into this church and had to pick y'all way up and sit him back where he belongs but there's been many days he picked me up and he put me back where I was supposed to be how many are thankful that you serve a God who has all power and as the spirit of God begins to inspire Paul 
That's a loaded statement because Paul didn't just write his thoughts. He wrote the thoughts of God for the church. The Bible is inspired. Hello? The Bible, the Bible says of itself, it is written by holy men of God who were moved on by the Holy Ghost. This is not Reader's Digest. This is not man's opinion. This is not a, a collection of neat tales and Bible stories. This is the infallible, inerrant word of the living God. You cannot burn it. You cannot bury it. You cannot kill it. You will not get rid of it. You can try to stamp it out of society, but it will always rise because heaven and earth pass away and the word of the Lord shall abide forever. This is why we need the word. Paul begins to write by the Spirit of God. And he, it is as if when I listen to him and I read this text, especially in the Greek, it is as if Paul is wanting to make sure. The Spirit of God riding through Paul wants to make sure that we do not talk about the power of God as if it were a common, ordinary, like all others kind of power. I remind you that Paul prayed for God to let them know this power. And as I told you a moment ago, there are several reasons why we don't understand the power of God like God would have us understand it. First, religion will try to drain the revelation of God's power out of your soul. It'll teach you that God is just some homie, chilling over in the corner of the universe, some sort of cosmic bellhop that answers to all of the craziness going on in the world that we live. That's not the God that I serve. Another reason that people don't get the power of God is not just religion, it's because our eyes and our heart become dull. Even the greatest Christian in this room today at times can become desensitized and sort of hard in their heart and forget the power that exists in this awesome God that we serve. I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord. You see enough stuff and enough junk and enough mess and hear enough bad reports and get another tweet and have another post and before the day is over, you need a bath. You don't have to say amen. It's why some of you have no joy today. You've allowed the world to tell you what it wants you to believe and you've allowed the world to tell you who God is. I tell you, I'll never run to Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or a newspaper to find the power of God. They don't know God. They don't understand his power. But today I want you to know from Genesis to Revelation, there is a revelation of the power of God and those who are hungry for him hungrier for him than you are for this world, you will taste and see that the Lord is good and that there is nothing too hard for our God. So Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he doesn't want to get religious and limit the power. He prays for their eyes to come open because he understands that dull spirits, dull hearts, Dulls, no vision. Holy Ghost, help me today. 
There are people in this room and watching me online right now, you are precious in the sight of God. But I want you to know you have this micro understanding of the power of God. And the Lord came today and brought you here to rip the lid off of your thinking, Mokosha, so that you will step out of this little predictable, limp-wristed idea of understanding the power of God and break into a wild, authentic discovery of a God who knows no impossibility. He literally said, let there be light. Boom, it happened. No committee meeting, no voting, no one to ask permission. He simply said, let it be, and bam, it happened like he said. I tell you, there is nothing impossible with this God. This God who threw the stars into their sockets, gave them everyone a name, holds the mountain in the palm of his hand, measures the earth in a span from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, bears a name that is worthy of all the praise. And we walk in here on a Sunday morning and chaos seems to be ruling all around us and we are tempted to wonder does he have the power to fix this mess? Zoom in on my face. Listen to what I'm getting ready to tell you. He will never be informed. You will never have to catch him up. He will never be overtaken. He is not at, he is not at some psych ward worried about the devil. He is the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the resurrection and the life. He is he that was dead and now is alive. And I feel that power in this room right now. How? Somebody let out a shout to the God of our salvation. So Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, can we please tone it down? Yes, we can. But we don't want to. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, says some very crazy things here in Ephesians chapter one. Now, in the English, they're incredible, but in the Greek, they're even greater. So let me just give you a, a, a little Greek class. Somebody said, why do we need to know Greek? You don't need to know Greek. English is just fine. I like to go as deep as the text will allow me to go. So the Bible says in the 19th verse, Paul prays, I want you to know the exceeding greatness. Say exceeding greatness. This is a phrase never used before or after in all the Bible. It's only used one place in the entire Bible. In fact, the first chapter of Ephesians, the 19th, 20th, and 21st verse, it is the only place in the entire Bible you will find all four Greek words for power used in one compact text. And let me unpack that. Paul says the exceeding greatness of his power. Now, the word exceeding alone is magnificent. It is, and I'm not trying to like, everybody's like, don't go so deep. I don't like the Greek. Let me just take you on a journey here from the shallow end to the deep end of the swimming pool, okay? Exceeding is the Greek word hyperbolo. It's where we get the, the English word hyperbole, okay? So this past week, I got to play golf with some of the brothers in the church. And Connor, got to take Connor to play golf. Connor hit a golf ball 340 yards. Somebody, come on, that just deserves something. I mean, my God, it's incredible, right? 
So the guy that's my caddy says, that guy can hit a ball farther than I can point, which is a long way. I mean, how far can you, that's a long way, you know, point along. What is that phrase? It's a hyperbole. Um, when you say uh, he, can, he has the strength to lift the entire world or, you know, she's as, I don't know. Hyperbole is something that is unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable, hyperbole. It's where this Greek word hyperbolo, in fact, there's another Greek word called ekbalo and it means to hurl. When the Bible says that he, that, that, that pray for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the field, the word send in the Greek is, is ekbalo. It means to hurl workers into the field. Like there's so many people going to hell, somebody just get in the hand of God and let him throw you out there and go catch people and bring them to Jesus. That's, that's ekbalo. But hyperbalo, watch this, is like you have a target and you're going to throw it because that's, that's what balo is. It, you're going to throw it at the target, but instead of hitting the target, it sails over the target. Like Alabama quarterbacks in the SEC are going to throw the ball this year. They're going to overthrow. Come on, somebody. Y'all missing it today. It's deep revelation in this sermon. Hyperbalo is when you think you've hit the target, but it goes beyond. I'm building it. Hyperbolo is, 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 is exceeding. There are three times Paul uses the word hyperbolo in Ephesians. It is in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19, which I told you when it's describing the greatness of his power. It's in Ephesians 2, 7. Listen to this. This is good. This is not what I'm teaching, but somebody needs to catch this. Ephesians 2, 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the hyperbolo riches of his grace where you think you found the end of God's grace in the ages to come, God's gonna go beyond your thoughts and show you the amazing wealth and riches of his grace. So make a Methodist shout. And then, and then, and then Ephesians 3, 19, and to, the, and to know the love of Christ which Hyperbolo knowledge. Watch, you think you know the depth of his love. Three things that go beyond anything you can ever think. His love, his grace, his power. Whew. Every time you think you have found the edge or the limit of his love, his grace, his power, he hyperbolos, he goes beyond. He goes, come on, slap your Methodist neighbor and tell him he goes beyond. Yes, man. Somebody's like, what's up with the Methodist thing today? I love Methodists. I got them in my family. They're all full of the Holy Ghost. It's unbelievable what God is doing among hungry people. Amen, someone. Goes beyond. And Paul comes back to this, and listen, watch this. In Ephesians 1 verse 19, he says, I want you to know the hyperbolo exceeding, and then the next word, greatness. It's the only time in the whole Bible this word is used in the Greek. Taking notes, write it down. This is a little bit of a Bible study today, I get it, but you need this. Paul said, I want you to know the exceeding hyperbolo greatness. Ready? Methegos, M-E-T-H-E-G-O-S. 
It's the only time it's ever used in the whole Bible. And here's what the, the, the Greek scholars will tell you. It's as if Paul is sitting down trying to explain the power of God and he cannot find a word he has in his vocabulary. So he goes and he has to seriously think about what word can I use? And he uses a word that he never used before and he never uses it after, methagos. And here's what it talks about, what it means. It means vast, unending, unfathomable, immeasurable. That's what methagos is. It's, it's the quality of being greater than anything you can imagine. How many have ever tried to think of eternity other than me? And you're like, man, it hurts my brain. You try to think about heaven, you're like, dude, just eternity never ending. Do you know why it's impossible for you and I to fathom that? Because it's going to happen outside of the body that is thinking that question. You will not have those limitations in eternity. This mortal will put on immortality. Death will be swallowed up in victory. Here's the deal. When Paul starts talking about the power of God, he doesn't want them to think it's like anything else they've ever experienced. He wants to describe it and articulate it in a way that makes it very, very different because the power of God is uncommon. The power of God is uncommon. That may seem like it's off limits, but it is not. Because after Paul attempts to lay a foundation for this power, he calls it the exceeding greatness, the over and above quality of being immeasurable. <laughs> it's immeasurable and yet it's beyond that. And then he commences to telling us who that power is directed to. So he's going to tell us who the power is directed to, then he's going to describe the power in four words, and then he's going to reveal how the power was demonstrated. Those are my three points. Number one, he, he directs the power to a certain group of people. Please hear me. Not everyone gets to experience the power of God. Oh, I feel resentment in the room as if God would play favorites. Oh, no, God doesn't play favorites. He just honors faith. And most of the time, people who don't have faith or criticize those who do have faith, they often also criticize the, the response and the result that faith produced in their life. They often see the miracle and the blessing and attack the favor of God on a person's life, but they do not know that that person did not earn that. They believed the power of God. The Bible says that God directs this power. You ready for this? Verse 19, in the simplest of terms, we have this great, immeasurable, 
unfathomable power. And here's who God directs it to, toward us who believe. If you're not a person who believes God, you have exempted yourself from stepping into the dimension where the power of God can be demonstrated and revealed. I'm not condemning you if that's you. I'm not saying you're hopeless if that's you. I'm not saying that God doesn't love you. I'm simply saying that there are privileges that belong to those who believe this word and trust the living God. This is why all the time we talk about keeping the faith because without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. I tell you that every demonic attack against you, every negative report that comes to you, every ounce of fear that tries to sink its things into your heart, all of it is about one thing, taking faith away from you and I. Because the greatest threat to darkness is not a great preacher. It's not a great big church. It's one little prayer mama who has faith to believe that with God all things are possible. I dare somebody to say I believe God. In fact, somebody needs to say I still believe God after the cancer, after COVID, after the bad report, after bankruptcy. The devil wants me to back up, but I'm planning on moving forward. God is a good God and I'm going to keep on trusting him. You can change the world by believing God. You can unlock supernatural power in your life by simply believing God. I am not just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible said it and I started believing it and it changed my life. The power of God can break you out of any kind of lifestyle you're living. Say amen, G. There's a bunch of ex-people sitting around here and just because they spoke in tongues and hopped around and praised God and clapped today, they didn't come out of their mother's womb like that. In fact, just a few weeks ago, some of the people that were in the baptism pool were in a mess and the Lord delivered them by his power. I tell you, this is not just religion. This is heaven on earth. This is the invasion of supernatural, immeasurable, unfathomable power that has invaded the brokest lives and given us the greatest testimony. I serve a God who is able. I feel like shouting and doing some praise in here. There is a God among us who knows no impossibility. He directs this power to those who believe. Any moment you sense a thought trying to get you to stop believing God, if you could see in the spirit realm, you would see an invasion of darkness against your mind trying to take from you the very faith that the word of God promises us that we have. 
I tell you when those thoughts come, I don't know how you handle it, those thoughts come to me sometimes. I have to wrestle those thoughts sometimes. I have to fight those fights of faith sometimes. When the enemy comes in and says, this will happen, or that can't happen, or that's too big, or that takes too much, or you can't afford that, or the church can't do that, or God can't heal that. What do you do, pastor, when you hear those voices? I tell you what I do. I immerse myself in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I remind the devil and my flesh that God is not a man that he should lie or the son of a man that he would change his mind. If he said he would heal, I don't care how big the tumor or the mass or the incurability of the COVID strain. I serve Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord. I want to take a praise break right here. I want to praise the God who has all power. I want us to praise the God who has all power. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is beyond his, his help and his hope. We give you praise, Abba. We give you praise, Abba. Woo! Somebody just let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Sit down, it was just a praise break. Back to work. Woo! He directs that power toward you. This is what it literally means. Toward us means he aims it in your direction. You are not targeted for the curse. You have been targeted to be a recipient of his power. Well, why do bad things happen? Because you live in a sin-cursed world. But even when bad things happen in a sin-cursed world, I'm still the apple of his eye. And I'm still targeted. How do I know this? Because I just decided by the grace of God, I'm going to keep on believing the Lord. It's like a Timex watch. You take a licking and you keep on ticking. Or it's like a Rolex, which is a much nicer watch. I don't know how, but it's like a Rolex, trust me, okay? God wants us to understand that the power he has that is immeasurable, that is unfathomable and beyond anything you think you figured out, it's not just some power floating in an atmosphere. He targeted your heart with that power. It is working on your behalf. This is why Paul prays, open their eyes that they may see it, God. Why? Because we live in a world that wants to remove out of our hearts that faith to believe God for the supernatural. Not only does he... Tell us who the power is directed to. He takes a moment to describe and to define this power. 
in the most thorough terms. He doesn't leave it to some nebulous, shallow, simplistic description that is common like the rest of powers that are on this planet. He uses four words, and in a way that it's never been done in the rest of the Bible, and I know that's a loaded phrase, but it's true. This is such a special place in the text, in the whole New Testament. Paul is getting ready to tell us and define and describe the power of God. And listen to this. There are four words he uses. Number one is the first word he uses when it says power. Now, in the English Bible, you may just see the words power and might, but I think it's worth noting what they actually are in the Greek because they're different words. The first one, just underline it. Let's take a moment here. According to the great, uh, what is the exceeding greatness of his power, the first power is dunamis. Everyone say dunamis. So that power, that dunamis power, and you say, what is dunamis power? Dunamis power is residual power. It's like, well, it's where we get our word dynamite from. You know, like JJ on Good Times, dynamite, come on. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. People over like 40 know what I'm talking about. It was a great show, right? Come on, somebody. Dynamite is this stick with a fuse that isn't doing anything, but it has innate power within it that if lit appropriately will release the inherent power within. Dynamite is absolutely useless sitting back there in a back room. But if you light it, you will find out what was in it. You just look at it, it looks like a little stick, but if you light it, it'll blow a mountain up. That's inherent innate power. <laughs> this is so crazy. When God gets in you, that's why, that's why this past week Devin preached in Kentucky and the pastor, the pastor of the church she wouldn't preach to, she wouldn't preach for his wife, but the pastor sent me a text and said, this is a dynamite in a small package. Because she ain't before 11, but when she starts hollering for God and starts prophesying, something comes up, it's inherent, it's within her. How many know that, that the enemy misjudges us sometimes because the enemy looks at what can be seen, but dunamis power is that inherent power that is at times hidden within behind the flesh of weakness and humanity, but the power of God, the dunamis working power of God is available and accessible in our lives. Keep, keep on packing here. The second word, so let's keep going. So then it says, his power, dunamis, toward us who believe. Somebody say, I believe. Somebody say, I believe. If you don't say, don't say it, but if you do say, I believe. According to the working. Second word. First one, dunamis. Second power word, working. Everybody say, energia. Uh-huh. This is the power that goes to work. It's like where we get our word energy. Energia, that's what it's talking about, energy. 
Have you ever met some, some saints that just ain't got no energy? I'm not talking about for physical things. I'm talking about for spiritual purposes. I was talking to Mary, our intercessor, a couple of weeks ago, and there's that scripture of an Old Testament that said, when it was time for Israel to give birth to sons and daughters, nobody had enough strength to bring them into birth. We are, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we're in a season where we need the energy, the move of God, that working at work while I'm sleeping kind of power. We need the energy, the strength of God. Look at your neighbor and tell him, it is not time to be weak. I need you to get sassy with somebody and tell your other neighbor, it's not time to get weak. All this pouting and murmuring and woe is me and mark of the beast and all this craziness, I believe in all that, but I'm going to tell you right now, we are not leaving this earth hiding in a cave with the Antichrist on the throne and Jesus, some forgotten about spiritual guru that nobody's seen move in a while. That ain't how we're going out. We are not going out tired, wore out, always, always dragging our lips. How you doing? It's been a horrible day. No! you got to let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Let the weak say I am strong. Wake up in the morning, put your feet on the ground with a bounce in your step and say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Energy to working of his mighty third word. It is iskus. And it means, so when it says mighty, it is the the endowed power or endowed ability. Mighty means it was given to us. It's literally endowed. It's passed along. I was weak, but he came along and gave me some of his might. And now because of what he shared with me, I'm not as weak. and I'm not as strong as I'm going to be, but I'm not as weak as I used to be. Oh, yes. And then the last word for power here, fourth word. So we have dunamis, we have energeia, we have iskus, might, and now we have power, kratos. Everyone say, everyone say kratos. And kratos, it simply means, um, the, the, when you say kratos, it is delegated power. So watch this. Uh, it's... A, sovereign power. And if you see K-R-A, then I want you to imagine K-R-A, Kratos, and I want you to think of Democratos, democracy. It's where people get power or autocracy. It's, it's the way people get power. And, and it simply means, watch this, to have rule or reign, dominion. Uh, a measure of sovereignty. So here's what I want to put together for you. I'm going to get out your way. He has this innate, inherent power. He has this going to work and getting it done power. He has this strength and might that has been shared power. But the only thing that allows him to have it all and use it all is that he has sovereign power. In other words, he said, I get to choose who operates in power because this is all my kingdom. 
And since it's my kingdom and I have all power, I'm going to use all my power and direct it to my children. Who gives God the authority to share his power with his sons and daughters? Who, have you ever heard somebody say, who do you think you are? How much time do you have? Because it's not just that he gave me power. He put it in us. That's why I'm trying to preach to you for the last three weeks. Wake up, family, and recognize what you already have and who you already are. Well, I don't feel like I'm there yet. Yeah, but you are while you're becoming. The phrase I love in theology, it says, I'm becoming who I already am. He sees me finishing this race with victory. And yet there are sometimes, Torrance, I don't feel victorious. Anybody else? Come on. How many of us ever felt not victorious? Last week, today. If you've ever not felt like you are who he says you are, it doesn't mean you're not it means you're becoming who you already are. That's so deep. Some of y'all are like choking on that when I see you. <laughs> Help me, Lord. You're becoming who you already are. So I'm closing with this. So he, he tells us who the power is directed to. He defines what power he's talking about. And then just in case you need a testimony, he tells us how this power was demonstrated. He says, this power that is yours and it is at work in you and that is innate and inherent because of the God in you. He said, this power is a mighty, almost like energy, might kind of power and strength that operates because of the sovereignty of God. And he said, just in case you want to know what this power does, let me take you back to the tomb. Because this power that is at work in you and this power that is at work in me is the same power. I can't even do this. I can't even preach this as big as it is. Because this power that is available to us is the same power that invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And there in grave clothes was the Son of God, principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness were going crazy, demons were howling and Satan was rejoicing and hell had a party on Friday because the man who claimed to be the Son of God died. But see me on Sunday. Friday's bad, but the old preacher said Sunday's coming. And when Sunday came, 
It wasn't the day that brought the difference. It wasn't the religion that brought the difference. There is one thing that absolutely blew the mind of everybody in Jerusalem, and that was this. They saw him die. They watched him bleed. They watched them wrap him up and carry him to a tomb. But on Sunday, what the devil didn't know is that God had hidden power that was getting ready to be revealed. And I feel like I'm about to help somebody in this room by telling you the devil has even stood over your gravestone and stood on top of you and tried to rejoice over your failure and tried to rejoice over your mess and the enemy told you it's beyond hope and the enemy told you you're as dead as dead can be but I feel, oh yes I do, I feel like telling somebody that the same power that walked in that tomb and woke up the dead body of Jesus is the same power that is getting ready to walk into your life. Somebody who the devil told would never get up, you're getting ready to get up. Not because you feel like getting up, but because God's a make, he's about to make you feel like getting up. I don't have the strength, but greater is he that is in me than the one that's living in the world. Somebody praise God for power. And it wasn't just that God raised him up and gave him power. God gave him a name that is above every other name. And when God's power got involved, it took a, it took a man. It, the enemy thought he was just a man. But when the power of God came in that tomb and entered the body of Jesus, Jesus came up out of that death position. And he, listen to me carefully. It wasn't that he just survived. When he walked out of the tomb, I feel the Lord on me right here. He walked out far above all principalities and powers. Everything that has a name. And God said, I want you to know it's not just in the age that you're living in but in case you ever get concerned about the future and the future age that will come he said there's not a name in the age that you're living in or a name living in the age that is to come that will be above that name there will never be anybody who transcends or extends above him he is higher than the highest height he is greater than the deepest depth he is wide he is awesome. He is powerful. And there's nobody like him. There's no one who stands beside him. Somebody give him praise in the room. Somebody give him praise in the room. Does anybody believe in the power of God? Woo! Stand with me. I'm through preaching. Hallelujah! This power, this power. Let me read it one more time just to make the devil nervous. This power is the power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Can I see that stool? Can I see your stool? Can I say thank you, Brian? He raised him from the dead and then he said, have a seat. When you see somebody seated, 
It means I'm going to rest a little while. The work is finished. Ha! Oh, 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 oh. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to be seated here, but I'm going to tell you where Jesus is right now. He's not stressed. He's not twiddling his thumbs. He's not pacing in the corner of glory. He's not popping a Prozac this morning. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because when he rose on Sunday, not only did God raise him up, and not only did God sit him down in a seated position, but he said, hey, it looks like you need to rest your feet. So he said, I'm going to give you an enemy to put up under your feet. I'm going to let you kick back. Yes. And I'm going to let you rest a while. Rest on top of your enemy. Rest on top of the devil. Put your foot on the head of the devil. He's not supposed to be in your mind. He's not supposed to be running loose in your house. The devil is under your feet. Somebody shout yes! And I heard Paul closing. Yes, but I heard Paul and Romans say, and the God of peace shall soon crush Satan under your feet. That means if you need a miracle, it ain't that far away. If you need a breakthrough, it ain't that far away. If you need God to turn it around, it ain't that far away. He's going to do it soon. Touch your neighbor, tell him soon, 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 soon. The God of Satan. The God of peace shall soon crush Satan under your feet. I know the devil don't want us to know this, and it has nothing to do with us, but I need you to know something today. The devil's in trouble. You better hear what I'm telling you. The devil, I didn't say because of us. I'm not gloating in my strength. I have none but in Christ. But I'm talking about the God I serve and the power of the God I serve. The devil is in trouble because every time in history he's ever done something that he did because he had an intended outcome in mind. The outcome never happened like the devil thought it would happen. That's why they put him on a cross. And Paul told us in Corinthians, had they known who he was, was the devil is blind they would have never killed Jesus I'm telling you the stuff you've been going through the devil's trying to get you to believe it's over but it's gonna backfire it's gonna backfire <laughs> and the enemy I'll end with this the enemy will soon wish he would have never messed with your house I'm about to go home. Yeah, but I feel. Hey, Lord, I better quit. I said, I feel. I feel like something good is about to happen for you. Why don't you touch three people? Tell them, neighbor. I feel like something good is about to happen. I feel like the power of God is about to go to work on your behalf. It ain't too late. It's not too screwed up. You're not too far gone. God is about to get glory. The demonstration of his power.
Father, today I have in such an insufficient way preached about your power. It's so much greater than we can tell. Come on, worshipers, throw your hands up and just start loving on him. Come on, worshipers, just throw your hands up and start telling them you love him. God, I'm asking you to go to work for us today. There's some people in this room, God, they need your power. They got circumstances and situations and problems. Some of us got failures and we got stuff that we don't know how to deal with. And some of us have fallen and some of us have made a mess and the enemy is just haunting and harassing. And we, we got feelings and thoughts that it's too late and we're too screwed up and we can't recover. But today your power is going to work for somebody. And it ain't too late, God. And they're not too far gone. And it's not over. It's not over. Just throw your hands up and let him begin to touch you. I sense the power of God moving. I need everybody filled with the Holy Ghost to pray in the spirit right now. Something is going to be unlocked in this place. Come on, get some strength and pray. Get some strength and pray. Don't, don't quit so easily. Pray through. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. Somebody in here is believing lies, but the power of God's about to break the lie over your mind. Some of you have been in a trap and you don't feel like you can get out. There's somebody in here struggling with pornography and you keep trying and you keep making a vow and you keep promising God and you keep failing. I want to tell you right now that it's not your willpower that'll set you free, but it is the power of the Holy Ghost that will come upon you and he'll break every yoke in your life and set you free. He'll do it right now. Power, power. Come on, pray. Pray, people of God. My, my God, we're going to get some strength this morning. Jesus, we need your power. Jesus, we need your power. Jesus, we need your power. The same power, same power, same power that woke up the dead body of Jesus. Go to work for us. If you believe God, I want you to throw your hands up as high as you can for about, about 30 seconds right here. Some of you need a miracle in your life. Throw your hands up and just begin to say, I believe you for this. Tell them what you're believing him for. Watch it begin to happen. I feel breakthrough in this atmosphere. What are you needing him to do? What are you believing him for? Come on, open up your mouth and declare it. I'm believing you. I'm believing you. If it's a healing, just say, I'm believing you for healing today. I'm believing you for breakthrough in my family today. I'm believing you for breakthrough in my business today. Come on, pray. Get some energy. The Lord is working. Do it, Holy Ghost. Do it, Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, if you'll pray, something is loosing, something is breaking. I give you glory, Abba. I give you glory, You're being targeted. You're being targeted right now by the power of God. Your prayers are painting a target over your life. I give you glory, I give you glory. I give you glory, I give you glory. I give you glory, I give you glory.
say this, I'm gonna be done. I remember being a young preacher. I was 18 years old. I had an electric blue suit made out of polyester. When I ironed it, the lapel started shining. True story. I'm thankful for the family I was raised in. We had so much love and God was kind, but I was raised in my mind. I was raised with a not enough, never enough mentality. You're always not gonna have and you're always gonna be less than and you're always not gonna be able to come into a place of blessing and that's how I was trained in my mind and the people I was raised with in church thought the same way so we all thought the less you have the broker you are the more miserable you are the closer you are to God and I remember 17 years old and we've already taken the offering and tithe so don't nobody get nervous but I remember 17 years old God taught me about tithing my mom and daddy had never heard a sermon on tithing church I went to didn't believe on it we didn't even teach it. I remember when God told me, 17 years old, if you trust me, if you trust me with what little bit you got, I'll take care of you for the rest of your life. I said, Lord, how do I trust you? He said, I want you to give me the 10%. I said, Lord, my mama's going to have a cow. Because when I was back then, we didn't have all these cards and you know, Venmo and Cash App. I had to mail money back. I go preach for nine weeks and have to send a check back. I remember the first time I paid my tithes. I said, Mama, don't pay no bills with that. Put this amount of money in the church offering pan. She said, Kevin, you can't afford to do that. I said, Mama, I can't afford not to. I remember the first time I was sitting on the back row, the top of the balcony. Pastor Rod Parsley's Raise the Standard Conference in 1998. I had just preached in a revival in Baltimore, Maryland, and was give, I'll never forget it. I was given $1,500 in an offer. They gave me $1,500 for preaching for the whole week. I cashed that, and I put it in my wallet to get home on. I remember sitting on the top row of that balcony. Nobody, I was 19 at that time, nobody knew my name. And the Lord said, do you trust me? I said, with everything I have. He said, I want you to empty your wallet. I said, devil. No, I didn't. I said, you want me to empty my wallet? How am I going to get home? He said, I thought you'd trust me. I remember the inside turning that wallet upside down, shaking it till the lint fell out of it, thinking, I trust you, but I hope somebody enjoys that. <laughs> somebody walked up and handed me enough money to put in my gas tank to get me home. I'm going to tell you this. I have never had one reason to stop trusting him. He has never left us. He has always been so faithful and always shown his mighty power. I want to testify after 22 years, by his grace, I'm still trusting him. Anybody trusting God? 
I'm not talking about you just believe in a God. I'm talking about you really trust and you refuse to be shaken off of your promise. Listen, I want to pray for you today. I believe this message is bringing uh, a strengthening to your faith. In fact, some of you have needs today in your life, and I want to pray for God to meet those needs. If you need healing, I want you to know that Christ Jesus is a healer. If you need provision, I want you to know that your God is a provider. Whatever you have need of today, nothing is too big and nothing is too small for God to meet it. Father, we thank you today for every man and woman that are watching this broadcast. I pray today for those who have needs in their life. They need you to heal them, Lord. They need provision. They need strength. Many of them need to be freed from depression and heaviness. And I just ask in Christ's name today that the power of your precious Holy Spirit would come up on them wherever they are, break every yoke, meet every need. Jesus, you're a miracle worker. And by faith, we thank you that the power of God is working in their life right now, turning everything around in Jesus' name, amen. Friend, we love you. We can't wait to see you next week on this broadcast. Until then, we're praying for you. You're in our hearts and we'll see you soon. God bless.